we are starting here this first Sunday of 2018. We're starting out of Second Peter. And I have written down some things per introduction of Second Peter that have come across my mind as I was reading and studying Second Peter. There's three chapters. And uh, I would love for you to read Second Peter. It's just three chapters. And read them from week to week. Read once. It's just three chapters. Read it once. Every week we're going through it. For you then to get a grasp of what Second Peter is about. Um, so that when somebody is speaking about the end times, or I have to cough every once in a while because, <coughs> you know, um, it's the credit has been going around. Um, uh, or somebody sp- talking about the fact that, uh, you know, we have uh, been given this divine power uh, and all is taken care of for, for us to live a godly life and, and so on and so forth. Then you know more or less where it's coming from and, and, and so on and so forth. So, and then you get also a picture of Second Peter, uh, what, what that is about. So instead of just going many times, um, and there's nothing wrong with this, but uh, there's pluses and minuses with everything. Uh, many times somebody takes two or three verses and then preaches on that. And then next week, two or three verses from somewhere else and preaches on that. And so though those, what he's, this person is preaching on these verses is true and right, it doesn't give you a picture of the complete epistle. Are you with me? Some parts of Second Peter, some part of Ephesians, part of Exodus, blah, blah, blah. Okay? So there's pluses and minuses because somebody wants to just concentrate on these two or three or four verses. Nothing wrong with that. But there is something to be said also for going through an epistle for somebody to get an idea of what Second Peter says and what it is about. So, uh, if you read it, then, then from week to week you'll, you'll, you'll get a, a better picture. I hope that the, the little video that we showed you, the clip, that it, it, it gave you a little something, but it went pretty fast. So, but if you read Second Peter, all of a sudden it slows down because you know what what the person is talking about. And if you read Second Peter more often, then uh, you have a better picture. So anyways, my introduction to Second Peter is this, that Second Peter is joyful in tone, but sober concerning the last days, and that there will be a falling away from the faith, that the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and that when the body of Christ's false teachers shall appear, and cause some of this falling away, as they also make merchandise of some of the believers. This is all in Second Peter. So, I'm not just making it up myself. Because, because of this, Peter wants to be sure that we grow in our faith, and says that he does not mind putting us in remembrance, meaning to, re, to uh, uh, remind us of, of things, and even to remind us of things that we already know. Because that's what reminding is about. If you didn't know it already, then this is not reminding. This is just teaching. But since we already know some of these things, then he says, I don't mind to remind you of these things to stir you up, to be steadfast in the faith. Especially with the view of the fact that in the last days, false teachers and false prophets will appear into, on the scene in the body of Christ to deceive people. 
We read a portion of that even in 2 Timothy this morning, the third chapter. So, so he makes it, that's why I say some of it is sober and almost, uh, the, the, the clip said, uh, passionate and, and intense. So, and that is true. So, I, I'm also of the school that to remind people of the truth. I'm of that school personally, and so therefore I often repeat myself. Um, I repeat myself sometimes because <coughs> on the tennis court, I repeat myself a lot. Watch the ball, move the feet, bend the knees, follow through. I repeat myself a lot, and uh, uh, hey, listen, I want you to hit a ton of forehands cross court, the same ball all the time. So you repeat it so you get good at it. Somebody, one of the students told me one time, he says, I'm, I'm getting bored with it. So excuse me. The only time that you can board with this drill is when after you have won Wimbledon, then you can be bored with this drill. But till then, you work on your game. So, and this is true also in the spiritual life. <clears throat> when we are struggling in our lives to walk and to live godly lives, let's not be, get bored with repetition. Repetition is uh, uh, like, uh, what is the brother that used to be the pastor at Faith Temple? Faith Temple, somebody? Pearsall, Warren Pearsall. He's one of my spiritual fathers. I, like I say, I'm getting old. I'm just getting blank every, every once in a while. Warren Pearsall, he's now passed away. Uh, a, a, a mighty man of God. I loved Warren Pearsall. One of the things I loved about Warren Pearsall is that he had rough hands. Shook his hands and they were rough hands. And I thought, here is a preacher who also works with his hands. Oh, everybody works with books and pages, and <laughs> he works with, with stuff and uh, instruments and tools, and his hands are nice and rough. I loved that. My hands were rough. Uh, calluses from teaching tennis, and, and so on and so forth. So, anyways, and, and he said that repetition is the price you pay for knowledge. That's just the way it is. Um, so, and Peter denounces the heresies in doctrine and in life. That was also very clear in, on the video clip that it had to do with, it's not just the doctrine that he is uh, 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 fighting that will come in some of the last days and that it is around even on television today, uh, but also the lives of people that portray that although they claim to be Christians, they portray something quite Quite opposite, quite different. Um, and this wants believers to be steadfast and grow in the faith. That we would grow in the faith. Uh, this morning in Sunday school, we talked about all kinds of different things. One of the things we talked about was when you have false teachers, uh, they bring about many times cults. You know, cults. That is, things that Groups that are opposite to what God is teaching, what we believe in the scriptures. And there are always uh, red flags in cults. Um, are you familiar with cults? Are you familiar with 
What's going? You have heard of Jonestown, okay, where so many people committed suicide. Many of them didn't commit suicide. They committed suicide in the face of a gun. They wanted to go, but it was too late. They couldn't go. And uh, 300 some people uh, died that day. And so a cult. And one of the signs of a cult is that the leader wants to be served. When Jesus says, no, 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 no. In the kingdom of God, the leader is the one that actually serves. The leader is the one that actually washes the feet. He's not sitting here and, wants, and, and is served. Now, there's nothing wrong with somebody serving the leader, but it is not like everybody now has become his servant. Uh, there is a lot of isolationism uh, because they want you to hear only one teaching. That is one of the reasons why I want you to hear other voices than just my voice. Don Babin comes, Cecil comes, whoever else comes to help and preach and share a message, someone that I trust, that doesn't necessarily teach the same way I do, but because I want you to hear different voices so that you don't hear the same voice all the time. And so, uh, but in these uh, cults, these, uh, <coughs> these teachers, they isolate you so you, that you don't hear other teachings. And, they, and there is lots of secrecy happening. So I gave you... Three red flags right over there. Leader wants to be, really wants to be taught, wants to be served. Uh, I gave you that uh, there is uh, secrecy and there's isolation. Now, when you are in a group and there is one red flag, okay, if there's two red flags, you go. You run away uh, before it is too late. Because what is part of the, the cultish thing is... And I don't know why I bring all this up. is because of the warnings that Peter is going to give us. Not in the first chapter so much, but starting with the second chapter. And so, therefore, you'll hear in a minute what, what else I have to say about that. Um, so, and then the biggest thing in the cult is that salvation through Jesus Christ is not the only way to be saved. That you're doing some good things to the leader or whatever things that he says. Then become all kinds of other immoral things that you would never go for. But this is why Peter is emphasizing and why I am emphasizing to know the word of God. So that if somebody comes with false doctrine, I'm not talking about with uh, a different opinion. That is not false teaching or false doctrine. It's just a different opinion. There are all kinds of different opinions in the Christian world. But if somebody has the opinion that you get saved through Jesus Christ plus something, or that there's another way than Jesus Christ, that's false teaching. Run away. So, anyways, let me read some more over here of my introduction. That we should be steadfast and grow in the faith, so that as we're growing, we know more where to stand and where to be steadfast and not be swayed by smooth talkers. Uh, many of these leaders are smooth talkers and they are very aware and knowledgeable of the scriptures so they can just throw scriptures around and, you, and you're impressed by their knowledge. But they bend it enough to their own benefit and, and here uh, Peter is talking about even making merchandise of God's people. Um, 
So concerning the growth and so, I, I remember recently we talked about grace, and I reminded you the very last verse of the epistle to the second Peter epistle says like this, but grow, here's the word grow, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and so on and so forth. Um, so to continue to grow, he, he says farewell as he signs off the epistle, but grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will talk about that here in a little bit. Because, okay, how, how, how do I grow? And so on and so forth. Because of the sober and somber tone of part of the epistle, starting with the second chapter, basically, my messages will consist of two parts when we get there on the second chapter. It will be partly coming from Second Peter, and partly I will have another short part of the message, short, that is a little bit more, a little bit sweeter. A little bit more kissy-kissy. A little bit more, let me embrace you. As Peter is sober with us and, and giving us warnings, as spectacular and as profitable and as wonderful as that, as that is. Uh, but it is tough. And I don't want <coughs> to wear you out with toughness. Furthermore, Peter in this epistle teaches on the evidence of your to teaches on the evidence of your election and calling by your life and behavior. His experience of the transfiguration of Christ, so that's what he's teaching on, his experience of the transfiguration of Christ. You saw in the video clip how that uh, people say, well, you, you make up this story. How, how, how do you know that this is true? And Peter says, we were eyewitnesses. We saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration, the, 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 the Mount, the Holy Mount. We saw him with our own eyes, as he was transfigured before us in glory. This is no fables. This is no made-up stories. We saw it with our own eyes. So, eyewitness. Uh, he, he recalls that experience. He, he, he talks about teaching and prophecy, the coming of the Lord a little bit, and spiritual diligence and steadfastness. As we go through the epistle, we will come across sections of Scripture we have already talked about, even today, we're going to talk about the stuff we've already talked about. As we teach about verses 3 and 4, this is what I'm talking about that we have already looked at before. Reminding you, as Peter puts it, putting in remembrance to stir you up to walk the faith that you say that you have. And to walk confident, with confidence and with steadfastness, not being swayed by whatever teaching that is not of the Lord. Verse 1. <coughs> that was the introduction. Let me get my little dealy here. And um, so it is exciting. It is very exciting. So verse 1 we see here. Uh, greeting the faithful. What translation is this? Okay, New King James, okay. Greeting the faithful, uh, I, Simon Peter, a bond, bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, are who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So that is a mouthful right over there. Uh, I, verse 1, right? 
Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's that with Simon Peter. Yep. Um, Simon Peter, a bond servant of an apostle of Jesus Christ. It seems like they, maybe they don't go together, but they are very much go together. Bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have tamed like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. They have it correct in the New King James Version. In the Old King James Version, they have it a little bit different. That is, they may not have meant it that way, but it reads that way, so it's confusing. But this is not confusing. Uh, Simon Peter. So he goes by his Hebrew name and what we would consider the English game, a name that comes from the, that comes from the Greek. Uh, uh, Peter. Uh, Petros. And so the name Peter has the connotation, the meaning of rock. But there is two Greek words for rock, uh, Pet Petra and Petros. Petros is what Jesus called Peter. That is a small rock. And Petra is a massive, big rock. And the rock that Jesus said we were going to, he was going to build his church on was a Petra, the massive rock, Jesus Christ himself, who the church was going to, who was going to be the foundation and the builder of the church. Uh, Peter had something to do with it, as, as all the apostles, and as you and I have something to do with that also, uh, because we want to build the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but Peter was, his name was Rock. Um, it reminded me a little bit as I was studying on, on Second Peter over here, how that when I was a little boy, um, I, I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not thinking I was five years old. Uh, I must have been maybe around four or so that I had dreams, uh, reoccurring dreams about a rock, a huge, huge rock. I can still see it in my, in my mind's eye. Huge rock, it was a dark rock, that I would play on, run on, uh, 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 dance on, be joyful on, and sometimes fall, but never get hurt. And in that young mind of mine, I knew that that was God. I don't know how I knew, but I knew that that was God. It was not till after I became a Christian years later that I realized that one of the names and designations of God is rock. And one of the designations for Jesus Christ is the rock. Peter himself, the same Peter, the rock, the little rock, mentioned in 1 Peter, the second chapter, verses 4 and 5, speaking of Jesus as the living stone. And speaking of us in chapter in verse 5, as the living stones. How do you become a living stone as a person? It is because you have the living stone living within you. That makes you a living stone. Otherwise, you're a dead stone. So, Simon Peter. Uh, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. The word bond servant over here is a very familiar word. In the scriptures, it's used for bond servant or even slave, is the word doulas, 
D-O-U-L-O-S, D-O-U-L-O-S. A, a bond servant was a servant to a master, and the, he was bound to the master for life. And he could only, this bond could only be broken through death or the sale of the owner to the sale of the slave to somebody else. So, and it is interesting to see that Jesus did both. He died for us on the cross to pay the price so that we could be redeemed. There are three Greek words I want to bring to your attention real quick, that there is a, a word called agorazo. Agorazo means, has this connotation, has this picture, that someone goes to the market to buy a slave. Yes? That's how it went in those days, right? You went to the market and you, you paid some money. They called the lutro. That's the other Greek word that I want you to know. The lutro to buy a slave. Then what Jesus did for us, he did not just agorazo, but he did ex-agorazo. In other words, he paid the lutro, he paid the price for us to be not slaves to the previous owner any longer, but become his servants. And the ex means that he has bought us out of the market, never to be able to go back into it. You're now his. And he also died on the cross for us so that we can identify ourselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ so that in his death we were crucified with him on the cross so that we died and then were set free of our previous master in this scenario mostly it, the, in the first scenario, it was Satan. In this scenario, mostly the rulership of our flesh. Yesterday, I met with two young men, uh, and I love meeting with them. Uh, uh, just, uh, it, it is spectacular to me that a man can invest his life, or part of his life, is in, 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 into other people's lives. Young men that need to know the gospel, that need to know the truth. So that they won't be swayed when people are offering them things that are ungodly. So, I can't spend three hours a day with them. But I can spend an hour every other week with them. Uh, because they are not the only ones I spend time with. And, and instruct them. And it is my deepest desire that I inspire them that they would see things God's way. And then pursue God so that not even by accident they would pursue something else or someone else. And sometimes these, have, these things happen by accident. People didn't mean to get into a cult. Things looked pretty good at first. And then things went sour. Uh, Karesh, Waco, Jones, California... Other people uh, that were in cults that uh, can tell you these things. So, so, Jesus died for us then that we were bought. The price was paid for us to be out of the slave market 
and have now the new owner named Jesus. And he paid for us so that our flesh, I should say a little more clearly, the rulership of our flesh would be put to death as we identified ourselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we would be set free through that death of our master, our flesh, who ruled over us before we were Christians. Okay? If I need to go back to some verses, I'd be happy to do it to show you. But we have talked about these things a few times. So uh, 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 you can talk, talk, talk to me afterwards and say, hey, you have some scriptures for me that I, that I could read and I'd be happy to share them with you. <coughs> so, uh, bond servant. And he says, I'm now a bond servant of Jesus Christ. I'm not a servant to anybody else anymore, any longer. Well, we could talk about that a little bit more if you wanted to. Because sometimes, um, yesterday we talked, when I talked to the young men, I talked to them about the flesh. What Do you know what the flesh is? Well, they didn't exactly know what the flesh was. And that's an important thing to know. Because the scriptures talk a lot about how our flesh opposes God. And if you don't know what the flesh is, then you don't know. So that's why I say, I don't want them even by accident to be swayed. Because I want them to know. And I talk to them about uh, the different works of the, the flesh, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, last week. Uh, and I talked, it was last week. And I talked to them about the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the things was, uh, that we talked about is idolatry. Idolatry. And they, they were pretty right on to know what, idolatry was and what an idol was and so but sometimes we have idols we would never say that we have idols because it's by accident we don't mean for it to be an idol but it is you know our $125,000 car yeah the, what, what, how you call those cars you, you know those cars a Maserati yeah I'll give you another one a Bentley, give me another one. Rolls Royce, huh? Porsche, give me one more. Huh? Ferrari. Okay, you see, you you know those. I don't even know those names. I've heard them, but uh, shabby. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my style. <laughs> so, we don't mean for these things to become idols, but if we're not careful, they become idols. And God is not pleased with that. And so if your car can be an idol, a man can be your idol. You don't want to go there. An apostle of Jesus Christ. The common word for apostle is a sent one. Uh, we could say a missionary or we could say an ambassador. Okay, so we'll use the word ambassador because that is truly what it is realizing that we are all ambassadors, but that these particular apostles were ambassadors in particular. So what is an ambassador? Can somebody have a definition of an ambassador? Representative? Who said that? Okay, representative. And that is the, 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 the common idea of, a, of an ambassador. But typically when we think of an ambassador, we're thinking of someone... 
representative, okay, yeah. If you, if you expand it a little bit more, when you think of ambassador, you're not just thinking about an ambassador of, of Ford Motor Company. Uh, he's an ambassador to Ford Motor Com Company, so he's representing Ford Motor Company, blah, 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 blah. When we think of the word ambassador, we're thinking mostly of the idea of someone who was sent by his government or ruler to another country to represent his home country and to operate under the authority and wishes of his own government. Usually has an, uh, uh, an embassy compound to live on, which is supposed to be safe territory and off limits to anybody else. And if they are messing with the um, uh, 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 embassy compound, there is, uh, there is a sign of war. So when you are ambassador of Jesus Christ, we, it's the same thing. We are sent to represent here on earth, to represent heaven who is our home, and we only operate under the authority and wishes of our King Jesus, our ruler. And in certain areas of life, anybody better be careful if they want to mess with you, God's children. Of Jesus Christ. It's all right. <laughs> People get embarrassed by it. It's totally fine. I'm, I'm not embarrassed. I, I hope you're not either. Um, so Jesus Christ, here then, uh, it, it speaks about Jesus the Savior and, and the Christ, the Messiah, uh, is, is part of his title, is part of who he is. To those who have been obtained, the word obtained over there, who have obtained, the word obtained is an important word because it speaks to the fact as to how this relationship starts. It doesn't start with attaining anything, accomplishing anything, achieving anything. It starts with obtaining something. That is to say, it has been given to you. You obtained it. It was a gift to you. So these are important words. If you, if, you, if you miss them, then, you know, if somebody fits in that attained, then you, 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 know, you get, get messed up. Uh, Joanne, are you, good? are you good to go? Are you okay? Okay. Do you, do you need anything? A ride? Okay. Okay. Mary, check out. Obtained like precious faith. Like precious faith in the original language is, is one word, and it has to do with, with, with honor. It has to do with privilege, uh, these type of things. And it, it spoke initially of some a foreigner who went through the protocol of becoming a citizen and after he has gone through protocol, he became a citizen with all the rights and privileges of the natives. Are you with me? Okay. Sh shall I go over it again? Okay, again. All right. So it is, it spoke, it spoke of the words like precious faith in the original language is one word. And it had to do with a foreigner going through the protocol of becoming a citizen somewhere. 
having gone through the protocol and has become a citizen with all the rights and privileges of the native people of that land. Of that, so, okay. So, in other words, the like uh, who obtained like precious faith is those who went through the protocol of going through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. That is the protocol for them to become citizens of heaven and have all the rights and privileges of everyone else in the kingdom of God. Like precious faith. With us, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. I, um, I have a lot of family. My father uh, and his family, were, there were ten siblings. So you can see how many uh, cousins and, and um, how do you call it? Cousins, both boys and girls are cousins, right? Um, and then and, and how many nieces and nephews I have. And my nieces, they are some of the most beautiful girls in the world. Beautiful. And every once in a while, I, I would contact one and have some conversation with them, like on Facebook or by email or something like that. And I'm always looking for an opportunity to share the gospel, right? This is family. You're looking for an opportunity to get them into the kingdom. The best place there is in the universe. And... So, but they're not always open. And if, if you know about family, then you realize that family maybe are some of the hardest people to share the gospel with. Um, so, I, um, I was visiting with one, one, one niece, she's precious and beautiful, and uh, telling her about, uh, about Jesus. That Jesus is the way to the Father. And she says... Oh, Uncle Kenny, calls me Uncle Kenny. Uh, I love you, but I'm spiritual and I, I don't need Jesus to go to God. That's what I thought before I became a Christian myself. And I, I, so I gave her the assignment. I said, would you, she lives in the Netherlands, would you check for me what is the protocol to be able to visit the King of Holland? Check it out for me. I say because to be able to visit the king of Holland, there is a particular protocol that you have to go through to be able to visit him. If you ever get to visit him. Well, to visit your father in heaven, you have to go through the protocol of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. That is the protocol. So this, these who were not citizens before have obtained like precious faith and have now uh, become, because of the right protocol to go to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, have now become citizens of heaven. With all the privileges and rights of anybody else in, who is a citizen of, of heaven. And then he says over here, uh, the old King James says, I want to say, says, the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. But in the Greek, it is one definite article, so it speaks of one person. So if you read 
of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, you could read it as if it were two people. God and the Lord Jesus Christ. But here it means one and the same person. Our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's our God and He's our Savior. Are you with me? Not to be mistaken by the fact that He is not our God. See, Peter makes it very clear. Because you see, in some groups, they don't believe that Jesus is God. Are you familiar with this? Or you're not familiar with this? Okay. And some groups, they don't believe. Sometimes they think he's a, a little God. Or sometimes he thinks that the Father just raised him up to a position of like a God, but he was not God. He is God. This is the premise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who do you want to make sacrifice for you? God. Yes. So, this is an important distinction because if you read it wrong, somebody can twist it a little bit. You see, it says right over here. God and the Savior Jesus Christ. He's Savior, but He's not God. He is God. Okay. All right. We're we there? So, this is, I want to point out these things a little bit so that we stay sharp as to what the Scripture is saying so there is no way, there's no wiggle room for you to be swayed by anyone. I don't care who they are. Verse 2. I'm going too slow, I think. Way too slow. I was supposed to go through verses 3 and 4, but we're not going to make it. We're going to make it over, through, through, through over here. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Here you have the same idea again of God and of Jesus Christ. It's one person here. It describes one person over here again. Jesus Christ is our God and our Lord. Let's go to grace and peace. Shall we start with peace first? Do you mind? Oh, even if you do, if you, if you mind, I'll start with peace first. Uh, peace. There's, there's different kinds of uh, relationships with peace. Uh, one is, for example, we have peace with God, right? If when we become a, a believer, then we who did not have peace with God before, now, all of a sudden, we have peace with God that was made by Jesus Christ. He brought peace between us and the Father. Yes? Are you following me? You good there, everybody? Peace. Then you have the peace from God. That is usually used as the greeting at the beginning of an epistle or a letter, where Paul says, he wishes for you the peace, or he sends to you the peace from God. He is representing God, and just, just as if I would come to you, Amado, and I say, uh, I bring you the peace from Walden Road Baptist Church. I'm a representative of Walden Road Baptist Church, and I bring you the peace from the church. But then you have the peace of God. That is a different deal, because the peace of God, that is to say, 
the peace that God has himself for you, he gives to you. It is not about so much a relationship, though it is, but it is about what he puts on the inside of you, a tranquility that says, no matter what the circumstances, I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to fall apart. I don't have to go to pieces. I have the peace of God right there. My dear brothers and sisters, to have the peace of God is one big deal in this world today. Do you agree? Okay. I heard one amen and one over here. So <coughs> I thought maybe you're listening or maybe you're not. So to have the peace of God, brothers and sisters, you can't buy it. It is a gift. It is a fruit. Let me not say gift. Let me be more exact. It's a fruit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That when you walk with the Holy Spirit, poof, you have the fruit. The peace of God. And so this is what he says over here. Hey, that kind of peace is what I want for you. But you get that peace through the knowledge of God and of Savior Jesus Christ. That is how, so we'll come, we'll come back to that in just a second, okay? Let me go now to grace. <clears throat> So grace is another one of those words that you can use in different uh, fittings, in different relationships, in different settings. Uh, grace. We know that you are saved by grace. You, 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 it is God's grace that allows you, that gives you opportunity to be saved. Yes? But this is not speaking about that grace. Though it's part of it, because it's all one package. But here it has more of the meaning that you having already been saved by grace, that you would walk a walk of grace. That grace that God has bestowed on you, that your life would portray that to other people everywhere you go. There is a bit of an overlap a little bit of an overlap, not certainly not a total overlap, but a little bit of an overlap with the word kindness, grace, in this sense, that you would not only be portray grace, but that you be also be gracious. Uh, and the word kindness has an, a bit of an overlap over there. And I, I, I just want you to know that I'm excited, as you well know, about grace. But the last year or so, I have really become excited about the word kind and kindness. Because not only do the scriptures portray this and imply this, but my experience has shown that this to be true. That just a kindness. I said just a kindness, because I want to portray to you, this was not a big kindness. This was a little bitty kindness. Can make a difference in somebody's life. Can make a difference in somebody's day. Can make a difference in somebody's week. And it, it, it doesn't have to be a big effort. That's why I say, just a little kindness. And I wish as Peter wishes and Paul wishes 
and our Lord Jesus Christ wishes for us that we will be kind people. Kind people. That's what I was talking to the young man about yesterday. Can you be kind? Is it hard to be kind? Well, it is, but <laughs> I tell you what. Um, <clears throat> I told you the story before, but it, 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 it bears repeating. I have two little tennis students. One is five-year-old, the boy, and the girl is six years old. And I try to make the lesson fun for them. But sometimes they come with an attitude. It's not Eva. Eva always has a good attitude. Always have a good attitude. Wave at me, Eva. Most people call her Eva. I call her Eva. And she likes to find that I call her Eva, so I call her Eva. Eva always has. She is exuberant. She always has a good attitude. But the other two, hey, I'm not down on them by any stretch. They're five and six-year-olds. They're little kids. So I can't treat them like a 16-year-old and say, hey, get your act together, okay? Otherwise, hey, take a hike home and we'll have a lesson next week. So by the five and six, you have to find ways of how can I inspire them and sway them to change their attitude. Well, I have just the medicine. Some years ago, I had bought some things. Uh, 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 is it called Goofy? A bobblehead. I think Byron had one when I did a program at uh, Annapolis when it was at Gardendale. And uh, I told him, whoever, huh? Scooby, Scooby-Doo, yeah. Scooby-Doo, a bobblehead trophy. And I told him, whoever practices the most, I'll get you a trophy. But now they, they, this one here, the five-year-old, I told him, I say, I have a prize for you. If you give me a good lesson, I have a prize for you. But I can't tell you what it is. You will only know what it is after you win the prize. Otherwise, you'll never know. And I say, these bobblehead Scooby-Doo's is because the Scooby-Doo, whatever they were, got in cahoots with tennis and years ago, and it didn't work out. And so when they closed out, I bought a bag, a, how you call it, a, 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 a 24 or 30 of these Scooby-Doo bobblehead trophies. Because I figured, I work with little kids, I'll make, a, I'll make a little kid happy. I'm always looking to make little kids happy. So, uh, and I told them, I say, by now, there might be only 12 of these left. There wouldn't be a lot left because this was years ago, and they're just not around. But I saved them in my garage. I'm going to make little kids happy someday. And uh, well, after I told him this, that I have a, a prize for you, and there might be only 12 or so, and of those 12, you're going to have one of those, but I can't tell you what it is till after you win it. On the dot. I mean, this was not two seconds later, maybe a second, but I want to say half a second later. He changed his attitude. Just like that. And my mind is weird, I told you. And immediately my mind is thinking, oh my gosh. 
a five-year-old. Changed his attitude just like that. I wonder if adults can change their attitude just like that. Huh? <laughs> With the right incentive, right? That is what I was going to tell John about. He says, some people don't know. With the right incentive, they will. <laughs> but the right incentive, my dear brothers and sisters, is the kingdom of God. You're portraying Jesus to other people. You want to show them that Jesus is making a difference in your life. Because he is. But you've got to show it. What he wants to do in you. So there's grace, there's virtue, there's kindness that he wants you to have. And then he says not only that, that that he wants you to have it. He wants you to have it in a multiplied way. In a multiplied way. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So the way it's going to be multiplied is in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want multiplied grace and peace? I sure want it. Oh, man. I want it. Maybe not more than anything else, but I want it really, really bad. Multiplied grace and peace in the knowledge. So let's, let's go quickly and talk about this knowledge thing. This word knowledge over here has to do with an intimate, full Complete knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now my question immediately goes when I read this. Epigenosis in the Greek. Gnosis is knowledge. Epigenosis means full, complete knowledge. And my mind goes, so how do I get intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ? And I'm sitting and I'm pondering. How do you get intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ? And I'm thinking, you get intimate knowledge with Jesus Christ the way you get intimate knowledge with everybody else. Hey, you got to spend time together. It's just that simple. You pray, spend time with Jesus. You read the scriptures, spend time with Jesus. But sometimes I wonder, do you ever... now? If I want to get to know Sherry better, and so yesterday I sat her down. Did I sit you down yesterday, sister? I said, Sherry, sit, sit here by me. I, I need to talk to you. So, so she's here, and I sit over here. And so I talk with her because this is the way I get to know a sister a little bit better. And she's part of my flock, so I want to get to know her a little bit better. In this scenario, it was, I, I just told her little things that I appreciated in her and, and so on and so forth because she is a very considerate person. Very considerate person, and I want her to know I appreciate that. So she doesn't take that. <laughs> my, my consideration doesn't make any difference. It does make a difference, sister, and I want you to know that. So that is how I get to know Sherry a little bit better. That's how I get to Rose a little bit better. Uh, when was it, Rose? We, we had something going on here. It was maybe your, your, your little party over there. And I sat with Rose and somebody else and somebody else on one table. And finally, I got to visit with Rose. Spent time with Rose. We talked, and I found out some things about her. Some good stuff. I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> they were all good. They were all good. <laughs> they were all good. And I appreciate it, and I, I find myself, oh, I like that Sister Rose. She's so kind. She's so nice. She's so interesting. So 
Then I wonder, do we ever visit with Jesus? Or does it always have to be always have to be on your knees. But when I drive, I can't be on my knees. But I get to visit with him. And we visit. Some years back, this just jumps in my head, but we, 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 we were looking for to buy another car, a nicer car that we had. Ours was breaking down. And I'm driving by a place, and there's a car for sale over there. And I visit with the Lord. Lord, what do you think? Is this the one? No, it's not the one. Keep looking. Okay. Car for sale. Lord, you think this is the one I've been looking now for a couple of months, but are you going to show me one? This is not the one. Keep looking. Then we get a call from somebody. I don't have to tell you the whole story because it's, it's, it's long and I, we, have time, we have to go. And then there is somebody in the valley, a dealership that is selling, that a friend wants to buy a car from. And, hey, by the way, we want to buy two because the Konings are also looking for a car. And we feel like we've got the, the steal of the, of, the, of the century. Lord, is that the one? Mm-hmm. Honey? You're going to go with, with your, your, the lady that she was going to go with to buy this other car. I say, honey, if what he says is true over the phone, that's our car. Just visiting with the Lord. Lord, what do you think of such and such? Just this week, I visited with the Lord a lot. Not in official prayer. I say, Lord, what do you think of this? And what do you think of that? And... It was as if the Lord said, ah, hold on. Hold on. And then Thursday, he says, go ahead. It's the right thing to do. As if he, as if he just wanted to check me out if I was going to wait on him. Or go ahead and bulldoze her ahead. Have you done that before? Just bulldoze her ahead? I've done it plenty in my life. But thankfully, I learned a little bit from it. If you don't learn from it, you're you're in in deep trouble. So, visiting with the Lord. So, that is how you get to know Him in a more intimate way and that your grace and your peace can be multiplied. 